is Larry H. Russell thanking you once again for downloading another edition of Celtic Speed. Today's presenting sponsor is the leading organic meat brand in the country, American Farmers Network. AFN's meats are produced by the network of small family farmers who are committed to the most natural and compassionate approach to ranching. With production standards that go beyond even USDA regulations, all of their certified organic beef is 100% grass-fed. From poultry to pork to coarse beef, get the most nutritious and delicious meat at www.americanfarmersnetwork.com. You know, in 2010, LeBron James was absolutely vilified, destroyed, not just by media and fans, but by the old school players, by Charles Barkley and Jordan. This is a whole other level. That's like, here's a wrestling analogy. That's the giant joining the NWO after Hogan beat him for the championship (laughs) and spray painted the belt like two weeks later. What in the hell? That was Mr. Howard Beck and myself. Not from this past week when we had Howard on, but when Howard was back on in March, episode 147 to be precise. But today is Sunday, July 10th, 2016. This is Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio, and I am Larry H. Russell. And while I have the privilege, the benefit to do this on a week-to-week, as opposed to a minute-by-minute basis, like Twitter, which I certainly took advantage of this past Week, as you can see for yourself on my at CLNS underscore LHR handle. But to take it all in, let the days go by, the emotions waver, settle on a little bit, think things long and hard and 10 times over before I take the air here every Sunday morning. My opinion, my reaction to the news back on the holiday regarding one Kevin Durant has not budged. One millimeter. I feel precisely how I did nearly one week later in the seconds following when I received the news via text from Nick Gelso. Again, what in the hell? For one, let's start with what I was immediately tweeting out and was chirping about in the lead up to Mr. Durant's announcement. How could he even consider, let alone decide, but how could he even consider a team whom he lost in excruciating playoff series? Well, I guess it wasn't too excruciating to him now, was it? But to everybody else, it seemed like a heartbreaking playoff defeat just a few weeks prior. How could one even consider, after rallying his teammates, his so-called brothers, his so-called comrades... Be in the center of that huddle, arms over arms, and then again, weeks later, say, uh, Hey guys, that team I really wanted us to beat, you know, who we had one of the most intense blood wars with in recent NBA playoffs history, I'm actually going to go play for them if that's cool. But, uh, no. <laughs> no, it's not cool. I know free agency the more prevalent it has become over the last 25 years as opposed to the first 40 years of the NBA. Player movement was minimal and was only done through trades and purchases of contracts. And now in all sports, all major pro sports, athletes can move more freely in the league. Fans have always been attached to players. The better you are, the more attached they seemingly are most of the time. And then sometimes over time, They go to another team, another rival even if that's the case. Certainly here in Boston, we're familiar with that. Adam Vinatieri signing with the Colts. Although, disclaimer, after the Patriots did not make much of an effort to retain his services. Roger Clemens eventually forcing a trade to the Yankees in the twilight of his career. Which again, disclaimer, Dan Duquette did not make much of an effort to resign. Johnny Damon of the Yankees, which, disclaimer... The Red Sox made minimal effort to resign, and on, you can do it in reverse. Bruins fans having a hard time accepting Chris Nyland after all those years, gooning it up for the hated Canadians. But we know it's a business for the players. I've always defended that. 
I don't want to say that athletes owe the fans nothing, as after all, the consumer has done a lot more for said athletes than we'd like to believe, but they certainly owe themselves and their immediate families much, much more than they do the fan who developed an emotional attachment to them. But there was one potential example, which I deliberately did not mention, that may have come to your mind, and that is because it is so unique in its own right, and that was Ray Allen leaving the Celtics to join the Miami Heat, he who was on a Celtics team that had their two prior seasons ended by those very Miami Heat, including a gut-wrenching seven-gamer just weeks prior to Ray's decision. And that just didn't offend Celtics fans. But players on that team, teammates for Ray Allen for many, many years, whom they did battles with, whom they developed common interests, common disdains, such as for LeBron James, teammates to develop a bond with, the whole message of that group of Ubuntu, Ray Bolts for that particular Celtics team, most bitter rival, just three weeks after an electric playoff series with, and there was a reaction of, wait, was this guy really with us all along? Fairly or unfairly, everyone asked, was he dedicated to his team trying to achieve the ultimate goal of winning a championship for himself and his teammates? And to this day, Kevin Garnett has never forgiven Ray Allen for that. And yes, was Allen disrespected and a bit removed from that particular 2012 Celtics group? Very much so. But even that, you'd like to think the destination of Miami should have been disqualified for that reason alone of how on earth could you do that to your fellow teammates, particularly teammates who you accomplished so much with and shared so many memories with. But even Allen, especially on that Celtics team, was a piece. He was a role player. Remember, Rajon Rondo essentially demanded to Doc Rivers to relegate Allen to the bench, and much of his decision to join the Heat was to spur in the Celtics. This, what one Kevin Durant did, is unprecedented in the history of sports. You often hear, you know, fans love the Benedict Arnold. And I actually think in this instance, mentioning those two in the same sentence is actually an insult to General Arnold. He who himself was passed over for a promotion by the Rebels and said, you know what, F you guys, I'm joining the crown and I'll get back at you for stiffing me. Kevin Durant, one of the three best players in the NBA, he was the last MVP of this league not named Curry. He was Oklahoma City's best player playing a game where one individual has more impact on the outcome of this great sport than any other team sport by far. He's as responsible for his team winning and losing. He and Russell Westbrook get the most credit when they win, and if they don't play up to the standards that are set for them, should get equal credit for losses, such as, oh, geez, letting a 3-1 series lead get away from them in the Western Conference Finals against those very Warriors, which we all would like to believe for any competitor would create an obsession, even a hatred towards the very team that took away what he possibly thought was his. It would be unfathomable to think he'd actually even consider for two fractions of a second that he'd play for that team alone, let alone actually going about and deciding to join them. But I guess that feeling of disappointment was never truly there. What Kevin Durant did on Monday has never been done. Professional athletes have experienced heartbreak for years. It's to use the word, again, unprecedented in the NBA. It's never happened. Dr. J, years of losing to the Celtics and Lakers, never forced a move to then go play for those particular teams. Six years of heartbreaking losses in the playoffs, finally teamed up with Moses Malone, who hated losing to the Lakers and Celtics himself. Finally, they break through in 1983. Isaiah Thomas, years of losing to the Celtics, but using those defeats to provide motivation, finally getting over the hump, finally winning a title, and then another the year after that. Michael Jordan, same thing, three consecutive playoff defeats to Detroit, sacrificed some individual numbers, assimilated into Phil Jackson's triangle offense, swept the Pistons in 91, and off and away he went. LeBron James, that's the example everyone's using. No... It's just not the same thing. I mean, he couldn't do it with 11 other guys named Fred. 
He was in Cleveland for seven years. The Cavs spent a max salary slot on Larry Hughes. He carried a bunch of bums to the 2007 Finals, won 66 games, and said, listen, I got to get help and do this with other great players. But he didn't go join the Celtics, the team that was blocking him from the Finals for the final three years of his Cleveland career. It was about beating Boston. Lastly, how about this? Jerry West, who was supposedly had a heart-to-heart conversation with Kevin Durant, discussed his own career, losing all seven of his finals matchups to Bill Russell's Celtics. You don't want to go through that again, what I did, KD, huh? I mean, come here. If Jerry West forced a move to the Boston Celtics, he would have racked up the titles. But would he have built the legacy which he has to this day and will have forever? Would he be the logo of the NBA? I'll reiterate what Stephen A. Smith has said, and I share the same humble opinion as an observer of American sport. It is unequivocally the weakest move I've ever seen. It should be tremendously disappointing to fans of competition. It's just amazing that something, too, actually superseded Kevin Durant doing what infuriated so many others and that now being taken the easy way out. But it did. He joined his most bitter rival. He joined the team that was blocking him from a championship and did it, of course, now the easy way. And here's the thing. There is backlash, especially against some NBA detractors. There always are. I mean, particularly locally. And actually, I would love to dismiss this as an NBA thing of, oh, this is, these are the guys that are just taking the easy way out. That's the way they do things now, I guess, in the NBA over the last uh, seven, eight years. But what's scary is, is just how prevalent this is now in our society. So many people, especially the youngest generation, but it seems like a lot of people nowadays are more interested in the easiest path to success rather than that of maximizing their own individual output to society. Am I generalizing? Hell freaking yeah, I am generalizing. I manage the talent, a lot of the talent here at CLNS Radio, and I cannot tell you how many people I speak to regarding positions here. And so many just want the most brisk path to get to what where they want. And maybe it's just how society is set up nowadays where the primary purposes of so many entities is to make things as easy as possible for you. And thus many feel that that's the way the rest of life should be. Maybe it's something that is being ingrained into so many people and thus generations to come. And that drive to succeed that great individuals have helps create a great market for the American consumer. Can we get worried if it's still not there anymore? But let's go back to something more, far more trivial. Basketball, the game. Although I guess not nowadays with the money that's being thrown around around this past week and a half, it's not too trivial, but... Here's Kevin Durant getting words from Jerry West, he who became the logo of the NBA, he who was one of the most iconic legacies in the history of this great sport. Never would he have so had he taken a similar path to what Durant just did. And he's doing what he's doing. He's simply doing what many others feel they can do, just walking in, and instead of climbing Mount Everest, they're just riding the elevator to the penthouse. Not feeling too amazing on this Sunday midsummer morning. How about you? Certainly, what came down Monday kind of threw us all off, including me on this show. Here we are. How many minutes into this? And I have yet to tell you today's featured guest will be none other than Abby Chin, Celtic sideline reporter for the television home of the team, Comcast Sports Net New England. And we will actually talk Celtics. Who've had a very busy offseason thus far. They've only added. Now in the midst of Summer League in Utah earlier in the week. They're now in Las Vegas. But still, more fallout from the cataclysmic Kevin Durant decision. Truly one of the biggest events in the last 25 years of the league. So we'll actually put a capper on that in chat briefly with the athletic NorCal's Danny LaRue. On episode number 165 of Celtics Beat, which this week is being brought to you by Casper. 
Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price because everyone deserves a great night's sleep, particularly those of you who are up all this past weekend following this free agent frenzy. Get $50 off any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash Celtics and enter promo code Celtics. And let's cheer ourselves up, shall we? American. Farmers! Network.com, AmericanFarmersNetwork.com forward slash specials. Buy big, save big on the finest protein around. Mouth-watering, delicious, 100% grass-fed. Certified organic steaks to eat healthy, increase sex drive, lose fat, build muscle. So you can give Kevin Durant a whooping if you ever see him around town here in a few months. If you want. If you want. But... Let's continue on with this, as promised. Got Danny LaRue here, so let's do this. Uh, he is the host of Real GM Radio, one of the most foreknown national NBA podcasts in the realms of the World Wide Web, now available on the CLNS Radio mobile app. Danny is also the co-host of the renowned Dunked On Basketball podcast, and he also provides written material for the Athletic Sporting News and Real GM, www.realgm.com. But first off... Danny, welcome to the CLNS Radio family. Thrilled to be a part of it. It's uh, it's it's great because as somebody who's had a connection with it for years, but to have Real Jam Radio on it, it's a thrill for me. Ready to get down to business? Absolutely. All right, so let's go. Ahem, Kevin Durant, one plus one contract with the Golden State Warriors. Yes, I am aware he's a free agent. I am aware he is free to do as he pleases. But in your analysis, because the audience just heard enough of mine, Look at this individually. Was this truly the best move for him and for his name and utilizing the entire grand scheme? I think it was if he didn't feel comfortable that he was going to win a championship in Oklahoma City, and I think that was a reasonable assumption. So I had talked I talked with Ben Golliver on, on, my, on Real Jam Radio a little while ago about my theory with him. That is that if he had stayed long-term, not for one year, but if he would stayed long-term, he was going to be the best player to never win a championship in his prime. That, I thought that was his destiny. And, um, and and so I think that we have to consider that reality when we talk about everything else. And we don't really know. I, I think the Warriors were a reasonable option if you take that as an assumption. I'm not sure you can really say that, though. I can't really. How can we predict the future and say he could be even the best player not to win a championship in, a, in his prime? You look back at the Dallas Mavericks in 2008, 2009. A lot of people thought that that window had slammed shut, and they just kept kind of throwing pieces together, pieces around Dirk. Dirk never really had a great player. as one of the three players in NBA history, really, not to win a championship without a player. So I think it's pretty much, I mean, I, that is looking ahead and looking ahead and then some by applying that conclusion to a 27-year-old Kevin Durant. And I still even think with my end, and my argument is, he left Oklahoma City fine, and I hate to say, oh, we'll use a Stephen A. Smith argument. But it for me, it's, it's still the team that he went to. But, I mean, so does that—he didn't choose them, ever. You know, I mean, he, he had, they had match rights on him when he was a free agent. He went there, and I think one of the—if we're talking about legacies— one of the important differences in the way that, that, and this was true with LeBron James, is that a lot of the great players in history who people think of, oh, they didn't change teams. Michael Jordan had a, didn't have as good a core around him, but Larry Bird and Magic Johnson had all-stars, Hall of Famer. Larry Bird won them. a championship in 1981, really, without yeah. a dynamite supporting cast. 84-86, I'll give that to you, not 1981. I mean, the 81, you, I'm sure you know it better than I do, but I mean, I would say that the 81 cast, at the very least, was better than what LeBron had before he left Cleveland the first oh, time. Oh, 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 no, unequivocally. We're talking about Kevin Durant, and I mean, I, I just want not to interrupt you. Go ahead. But Durant is going to a team, if you want to use the, oh, Larry Bird had a supporting cast, Larry Bird had Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish in 1984, 1986. Not so much 1981. 81, Parrish was a bit of a reclamation project. McHale was a rookie off the bench, averaging nine points a game. Tiny Archibald was at the back end of his career. But Larry Bird was the best player on the team. Kevin Durant's going to, Oklahoma, uh, going to Golden State to become Golden State's Kevin McHale type, if you want to use the, you know, a little Celtics comparison in, in the realm of a supporting cast. 
I would say it's more like he's going to be the Dwayne Wade to to Curry's LeBron James. But I think it's very possible that game in, game out, Kevin Durant is the best member of the Golden State Warriors next year. I think that's a very reasonable possibility. And I, I think that why I wanted to say the thing about Oklahoma City is because my personal feeling was that Russell Westbrook, even with Durant, was not going to stay. And I think it's hard to argue, well, of course you're right that you never know. And, and I mean, that can be in the big picture with Dallas or in the small picture, like the finals being three to one. It was a reasonable, it was a reasonable possibility. And if let's say he, for whatever reason, and I think this is true, that he was particularly interested in Golden State from a PR perspective, leaving now could be better than leaving next year because they might have won Golden State might have won the title without him this year. So much of this is driven driven by PR, but I'm still I think you're putting too much of an emphasis on why he left Oklahoma City. Once again, I still think it is because of the team he went to. And I this is my own personal opinion. I thought so much of it was driven the easiest it was the easiest way for him to inv- enhance his profile and not just his profile, but really his portfolio. I had Adrian Wojnarowski on the show back on Super Bowl Sunday, episode number 143 in the archives, I believe. And he said, I mean, what I think a lot of us do know, and I'm going to be stating the obvious here, no longer for an individual when it comes to marketing oneself is it now being the big market. Of course, the Bay Area is a big one, but it's, you know what? It's not New York. It's not Chicago. It's not Los Angeles. It is about winning because winning gets your face on TV more now, not just nationally, but to the world and the massive NBA global audience as you go deeper into the playoffs. Deeper into the playoffs means more games for you and then more nationally televised games during the regular season. And this exposure, it maintains your relevance in the can't remember anything that happened more than 10 minutes ago type society that we got going today. And I kind of go back to what I said in the opening here rather than maybe taking a challenge head-on, which I guess only the most ardent observers would notice and thus create a lasting positive image of oneself that you know really cannot be measured concretely, which, listen, probably means less than nothing to Kevin Durant. I'll be the first to admit that, what, what people myself think of him. But rather to what I said earlier about taking the elevator to the penthouse to create the most convenient avenue for himself to expand his portfolio and thus going back to the team he chose – so I, I definitely think that there is a rationality of that. However, I, I feel that if he was going to leave Oklahoma City, that none of the other options were perfect in that way. I think Boston would have been fascinating just because they could have added a lot around him, but there are also a lot of question marks. And when a player is committing, even if it's because when LeBron I mean when Durant's changing teams, He's changing teams for a long time. He's not gonna go he's not gonna hop one or two one or two every you know, every year. So Boston is is great, and that would have been a team that I would have seriously considered both this year and next year if he had stayed in OKC for one more year. But he knows who he's going to play with in Golden State, and there just aren't really any other teams at that point where where he's going to do that. So if he was going to jump, I think that it was it was a reasonable jump. And while you're you're right that there is that the, those kind of implications, it's also possible that he doesn't care as much about that, and instead of miring and having to fight for everything. He gets to have a lot of fun. They're going to win a lot of games. They're probably going to win at least one championship. And if that's what he prioritizes, I think that's totally fair. And I think that's what it is, Danny. I guess you kind of agree with me there in that, yes, he doesn't have to carry the burden. He does, and he made that clear with his sources in the media. Thus, in my eyes, listen, if we're going to laud these players and talk about how great they are when they score 40 points in that game winners, where do they rank in NBA history, then you know what? They deserve critique for things like this, going to a team that knocked you out in the playoffs, taking an easy path to the mountaintop. So kind of what I'm going at here is if we're going to talk about the game, and hey, don't get too upset, NBA players, because the coverage of this league has been so important, these players making the money that they do, even our opinions. But in terms of his own individual legacy, it now becomes very hard because he doesn't want that burden, at least it seems, for him now where while he'll be a great player on a championship, uh, certainly one of the best players in NBA history, but Pantheon, which I think is something he certainly can be is or something that we were actually considering, but be the head man like a Magic, Larry, Jordan, Shaq, Duncan, LeBron, best player on multiple title teams, you know, I think that's gone now. And what I don't get here is what was abundantly clear, or certainly last weekend, is, well, maybe I do get it. He's, he's more enamored with his actual PR and last weekend, oh my God, he certainly considered the, the PR. I mean, he certainly is. How else can you explain the reporter who was fed the most? I don't want to say who he is because I have zero respect for the lack of regard this individual has for his audience. 
But I'll hint at you that he works for a four-letter network, which begins with a vowel. I mean, he was on the air throughout last weekend with more information than anyone. And then in the immediate hours afterwards, you know, per usual, no regards or ethics whatsoever, complete lapdog for the Durant camp and applied every ounce of positive spin he could. You know, oh, this will allow him to be recognized more for his defense and rebounding. You know, like Michael Jordan was never recognized for his defense, particularly in the late 80s, please. So... But because it's just painfully obvious to me that there are those who don't want what happened to Durant, what happened to LeBron in 2010, 2011, where he became a bit of a villain, and thus he wasn't maximizing the amount of garbage he could sell us. So I wouldn't dismiss the value Durant is placing on personal gains, as you said. In in a way, I think that's the way I agree. I guess you just... See, ah, I'm going to say I'm more morally superior than that. But anyways, Danny, I can go on forever, but we don't have forever. So I want to pivot here. And in the spirit of keeping this about us, us plebs, us peasants, and what we get out of this, you know, entertainment. What about that? Put that yourself in just average Mr. Average NBA fan or think for Mr. Guy there, this super team in the Bay, good or bad for the NBA. I think people say a lot that having a super team is bad because it's for the idea of competitive balance, but there have been really ludicrously good teams a lot throughout the past, and the most notable being recently being those Miami Heat teams. Th- those teams were almost as loaded as this Warriors team is. I think about like the 2012-2013 Miami Heat team or even the 11-12. Those teams were absolutely stacked. Fans watched them. Fans were interested because you get into that old talk radio idea of that the people who love you will watch you, but the people who hate you will watch you even longer. And they're watchable in that sense. And it's not like the rest of the league is is weak. I mean, a theoretical Warriors-Cavs finals would be huge. A Warriors-Spurs conference finals would be huge. You have all these other things that are interesting. And a dominant team that is fun to watch. Like, this isn't the New Jersey Devils with the neutral zone trap where they're they're beating teams and, it, and it's unwatchable. This team is going to be an offensive force like we have never seen before if they op- operated even close to what we, they could do. So they're going to be watchable. They might only be watchable for the first half of a lot of their games, but that's okay. And I, so I think that it will work in that sense. And, and the point about watchability is incredibly important because, in my opinion – Fans will gravitate towards things that they enjoy, and they will they will go in that direction. And so the Warriors will be really fun. They'll be good offensively. They'll be good defensively. And that won't take the edge off of Durant being a villain and a ring chaser and all that, but it will make the product more enjoyable. I think you brought up a great competitor. That was a funny thing that you did, bringing me back to the devils of the 1990s. But I think what, well, there's a lot of – you were talking about Warrior Spurs. I actually – this is an argument for another day, but I'll just throw this out there. I think there is a gigantic gap between the Warriors and the Spurs, no matter what. I think obviously Cleveland. I agree with you. I think Cleveland would make a few moves, but there was. I mean, there have been super teams in the NBA: '60s Lakers v Celtics, but it was Lakers v Celtics. '80s Lakers v Celtics, Bulls. The 1990s. There were times when they were head and shoulders above the NBA. But four of the six championships, they really weren't. And there was always the intrigue of Jordan v Barkley. Jordan v. Malone in Stockton. Jordan v. Payton. Uh, that was that was probably a year that was an automatic. But uh, Jordan v. Drexler. And that was another one. So I, mean, I think that there needs to be some sort of competition there. Miami, that reference that you did, I thought going into it when Miami joined forces in 2010 to form that super team, we all thought that Miami would be great. But oddly enough, they really didn't fit and it really never seemed like outside of that real long winning streak that they had in 2013 that they really maximized that output of the team particularly offensively they were known so long for their defense but of course that's just a target for another day I still have to say one thing almost certainly to watch for you were talking about it with Nate on the show actually right after the Durant signed is how much they are going to go after it next year and I personally think too I agree with Nate I don't think they're really going to jump on it. I think they're going to try to stay healthy, but I actually think the media is, they're almost starving for like a six and three warrior star to just say, what's wrong with the Warriors? Just to create that intrigue that Miami had back in 2011, 2012, which of course revisionist history, we say, oh, they were loaded, but there was a lot of doubt of that Miami team back in that part of the decade. And I wonder if they, the media tries to do its part of drum of intrigue there. Oh, they certainly will. It's going to be a different type of intrigue than the Warriors starting out. I think it was 24-0 last year. And it's funny because that has been overshadowed by everything else that happened with this team. 
And it probably will be rockier at the start just because these guys are going to have to adjust to playing with one another, and they're going to have a lot of different players as well. While the you know, there's a lot of continuity within, let's say, the top seven, everybody else is probably going to be new or close to new. So it will take a little bit of time. But the, the thing about galvanizing teams is that there's an intrigue no matter what they do. If the Warriors are gangbusters at the start, that's a story. If they're shaky, that's a story. And so they're, they're going to be there in... What I love about the NBA, somebody who watches the whole league, is that there's a whole lot of other intrigue around. And if you want to talk about future opponents, I'm going to bring up one name. It's not for probably this year or even two years. Carl Anthony Towns. I think he is going to be in that conversation for being a really special player. And Tib, Tom Thibodeau is exactly the right coach to maximize that team. So Just maybe hope he doesn't run him into the ground. Yeah, but that, that's definitely a concern, but I think he's learned that. Thibodeau is somebody who bounced around the league kind of during his year in the wilderness, and I think he kind of got a sense of that. His hard driving won't stop. You know that as somebody who follows the Celtics, that's been true forever. But I think that Minnesota, in let's say three years, they could be that Western Conference foil that everybody wants the Warriors to have. I just hope that they're not the Oklahoma City Thunder of the 2011-2012 when everybody thought they were sort of booking them for championships and it all sort of whittled apart, though. But to sort of get you out of here, you did talk about it with Nate. If you want to hear this more in depth, I do suggest our audience to go go ahead and subscribe to the Dunked On Basketball podcast. Download the July 4th episode. Great episode, immediate reaction. But you talked about it with Nate. I'll give you a little bit of the floor here. What do you think is going to be Steve Kerr or even the Golden State Warriors' approach? Do you sort of see them easing it off the, the gas pedal? a little, little bit so that way they can stay healthy for the end, which of course was a big issue last year, especially, excuse me, especially with Steph Curry, who has had injury problems in the prior past, or are they probably going to sort of galvanize themselves, sort of drum up some outside hatred and say, and take a 2007 Patriots approach and say, hey, we're so hated, it's us against the world, screw it, let's just run over and roughshod, even for in a fifth gear for far too long of the season. I think for the for until the maybe around the All Star break they're going to be the 07 Patriots. They're just going to be in that mode of like we 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 want to show it to everybody. Draymond Green has been the heartbeat of the Warriors for years now, and I think he's going to embrace this more than anybody else. Even though it's not him that's being vilified as much as Durant. And then once the All Star break hits, if they're let's say they're comfortably in like they have a lead in the Western Conference at the bare minimum, maybe in the whole league, then you start to see guys have like a 25 minute game or even sit entirely but i think we're gonna i think the first couple months of the season with this warriors team are going to be must see tv and that's going to be different for a a cat more casual basketball audience that is used to picking it up you know maybe around the all-star break or maybe after football ends this warriors team is going to be worth watching and they're going to be talked about on everything from day one real quick it's mid-july but it's prediction time how many wins and do they get it done I'm going to say for wins, I'm going to say they get 65 and wouldn't be surprised if they went over or under that. But I'm going to say 65. And yes, I think they'll win the championship. This is not what you asked for, but I'm going to put their odds right now at 70%. Danny LaRue of The Athletic. Follow him on Twitter at Danny LaRue. And as stated, host of Real GM Radio, a weekly podcast covering the NBA on realgm.com. And yes, the CLNS Radio mobile app. Yet another reason to download it right now if you haven't already. Danny, thanks so much for stopping by, my man. Thanks for having me. Episode number 165 of Celtic Speed is brought to you by Casper. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. They are revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing that savings directly to the consumer. Made right here in the US of A, a Casper mattress provides long-lasting comfort and support as I know from personal experience. I've never used a mattress this soft and this comfortable. You can buy it easily online and completely risk-free because Casper understands the importance of truly trying out a mattress that in all reality you spend a third of your life on. Casper offers free delivery and painless returns within a 100-day period so you don't have to lie down in a showroom. Studies have now proven lying on a bed in a showroom has no correlation to whether it is the right bed for you. Get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king-size mattress. An unbelievable deal compared to industry standards that cost thousands upon thousands. And you can save an additional $50 as one of our audience members by going to casper.com slash Celtics and entering the promo code Celtics. That's casper.com slash Celtics and promo code Celtics. Free shipping applies to U.S. and Canada customers only. Terms and conditions apply. 
This episode of Celtics Beat is also brought to you by Blue Apron. Support this podcast by heading on over to www.blueapron.com slash Celticsbeat to get two free meals with free shipping on us. Blue Apron knows that when you cook with incredible ingredients, you make incredible meals, so they set the highest quality standards for their community of artisanal suppliers, family-run farms, fisheries, and ranchers. Whether it is Japanese ramen noodles, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, or heirloom tomatoes, Blue Apron is bringing you delicious and fun-to-cook meals for and with your family and friends. And at a very affordable price for less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make those delicious home-cooked meals. I highly suggest giving Blue Apron a shot because you will not regret it. Check out this week's menu and, again, get your two meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash Celticsbeat. It is an incredible deal, as is, with meals under $10, and your first two meals are free with free shipping. And best of all, you would help support and fund the Celticsbeat operation. Eat up. Head on over to blueapron.com slash Celticsbeat. That is blueapron.com slash Celticsbeat. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Looking here and what's ahead, the, the vision that, that I see here, and um, not only you know with the owners and, and, the, and the GM and Coach Stevens, but I, I feel like they, you know, they're heading the. I like the direction that I saw when I met with them. I felt comfortable. I felt confident in in, in the potential and what can be, and um, and I'm very encouraged by the, the group of players that are here. Finally, okay, we can get to what you really came here for, not just today's featured guest segment, but for actual dialogue regarding the local basketball team, the Boston Celtics on Celtics Speed, number one podcast on the web, which covers the NBA's winningest franchise, which truly holds merit after all. I thought the prior history of a prior organization here didn't matter too much, huh, talking heads. Just heard Al Horford there at his introductory press conference. Welcome to Boston you missed the press conference, get his bonus audio, which is only available if you listen to this broadcast on the CLNS radio mobile app. Runs about 15 minutes, definitely worth your time, so you can do that now if you want to pause this. But who's going to do that as it's time to get right into our featured guest segment? Abby Chin, Celtics sideline reporter over on CSN. Welcome in, and thank you so much for providing us your time within your hectic work schedule. Good morning, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, Abby, and there is so much has been paid attention of the acquisition of Horford, the non-acquisition of Kevin Durant. I've just spent nearly the entire show on it this far. That <laughs> whole storyline did its best to cripple my 4th of July weekend. I know you enjoyed it, but I'm deliberately straying from Durant for the time being. That's why we have you here to provide your own insight. But before we get into specifics of what the Celtics have done so far, they just introduced Al Horford back on Friday, full co- press conference up on the CLNS Radio YouTube channel, youtube.com slash CLNS Radio. But one of the things us intellectually advanced were discussing, particularly <laughs> here on the CLNS Radio areas over the past 10 days, was seemingly management strategy when attacking this free agency period. I think there's no better way to describe it than the Adam Dunn approach, home runner strikeout, swinging for the fences. Didn't waste a millisecond with any of these B-level free agents. So suffice to say it worked out, but was this an approach you would have taken? I think it's the only approach the Celtics could have taken after, what has it been, two summers, almost three summers of really having nothing to show for all of the Brooklyn draft picks and that incredible trade that landed, all of these assets that Danny has acquired. I think it was so smart. And I just, I love this week from hearing from co-owner Whit Grosbeck and Danny Ainge, kind of the behind the scenes, all of the details and everything that went on in the pursuit of both of these guys. And that's something that we learned in the press conference with Al Horford yesterday. We know the Celtics took some of their players and Tom Brady to the Hamptons to meet with Kevin Durant, but four players also went with the team contingent to Atlanta to meet with Al Horford. Horford told us yesterday it was Marcus Smart, Isaiah Thomas, and Kelly Olenek are the three that I can remember off the top of my head. And he said, More than anything, that's what impressed him because those guys took time out of their busy summer schedules that it was so important for them. They wanted to be there. They wanted to be in those meetings, and they wanted to tell Al how much they wanted to play with him, and I think that made a huge difference. Do you think the success, though, of the offseason, especially when you 
talked about the prior two summers of nothing really happening despite constant promises. and not even promises, but constant, re- constant <laughs> Talk reminding. of fireworks, yes. Yeah, I mean, they came off to a rough draft. I mean, you talked about the fireworks. I think the fireworks attachment to Wick has been a little bit unfair because it's such an easy word. But with that said, that you, ta- you had Wick on the Comcast airwaves, I believe, a few days ago. I believe Friday up on CSNNE.com in the video section if the audience wants to go check it out. But fairly or unfairly, that brass has always run to the media to remind fans of, Oh, we have a bunch of draft picks. Oh, we have a bunch of trade assets. Oh, we have two max salary slots. Could there have been a pretty sufficient backlash from the general portion of the fan base had they Al Horford gone in a different direction? I think we absolutely saw that backlash on draft night when Wick Grossbeck got booed in an arena full of season ticket holders. Those are Celtics fans through and through. They've paid thousands of dollars to watch games and they booed the co-owner of the team. So I think absolutely there would have been backlash. I don't know to what degree. I do understand and I believe that because the talent in this league is so concentrated to the top, as Danny Ainge always says, there are only a handful of transcendent players and they are so hard to get your hands on um, that I think that rationally fans can understand that what the Celtics have done and what they continue to do is put themselves in the best position to accomplish these things, to actually create fireworks, which is exactly what they did this summer. They're, they were the only team that was on Kevin Durant's shortlist that had enough space, salary cap space, to sign two max players. And so that's what they did with Al Horford, and they could have. They were the only team that could have signed Kevin Durant straight up without having to mess with any funny business. So, And I think what we've learned over the last few days is just how seriously Kevin Durant was considering the Celtics. It's not some, you know, he wasn't just trying to be nice and give the Celtics some play. He really thought hard about joining Boston, and the presentation really impressed him. That's what Al Horford told Kyle Draper and Brian Scalabrini yesterday, that he talked to Kevin after he made his decision, and Kevin was absolutely intrigued by everything that was going on here in Boston, but he had to make the best decision for him at this moment, and that is creating a super team in Golden State. Can you look at it positively by saying, if you look at it from the Celtics' point of view, because I've, I've I'm, I'm straying so far from Durant now, I just went off on him for like okay. forever. But could you look, if you want to, the backstory of the whole Durant thing is what you just mentioned, how the Celtics were a finalist. And when you think about them being a finalist, it sort of gives you I mean, a good measurement of where the franchise is in the league and what other players around the league think of the team. And I guess this is really just kind of cozying up to the team and really kind of scratching their back a little bit. But I think it really does hold a lot of water. When one of the best free agents to hit the market in NBA history, it is very, you hear a lot of these stories of, oh, the Celtics have never signed a major free agent as prime, blah, 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 blah. But you know what? So have another 27 NBA teams. They just don't hit the market. Kevin Durant's one of the best free agents to hit the market. So does that, how much do you think that says about where the Celtics are as a franchise when one of the best players that's a free agent to, to legitimately test the water actually has Boston as a finalist against a 73-win team and the far-and-away favorites to win the championship and the organization he's ever played for? I think it's huge. I think that speaks volumes, and I think it speaks even more to the fact that Al Horford did choose the Celtics. There were a number of other teams vying for his services as well, I mean, aside from LeBron James with Kevin Durant, Al Horford is, I mean, I don't think LeBron is actually attainable. So I'm going to say that Al Horford was the number two available free agent in this class, and the Celtics landed him. So I think that that definitely puts that narrative to bed that the Celtics can't land big-name free agents and also shows just how this organization is viewed. And we hear it from Isaiah Thomas in that piece that he wrote from Players Tribune. We hear it from Jay Crowder. I think it has more to do with the stability at the top and the fact that Danny Ainge, ownership with Brad Stevens, all work in concert. And I think that that is something that is very attractive to these players, like a Kevin Durant, who saw James Harden traded away out from under them and, you know, before he even reached his prime. So, I think that speaks volumes, and I think something that we learned, and we hear another big narrative we hear about the Celtics right now, is that they're overvaluing their roster, overvaluing the players that they have. But something that's come out in this process, both Al Horford and Kevin Durant have said they like the guys that are on this roster. They don't want those guys to be traded or moved around and 
um, lost in whatever deal may come across the table. And so I think, as you mentioned, it speaks volumes about the perception of the Celtics around the league right now. However, I feel like the NBA is pretty fickle and those things can change quickly. I mean, not long ago, we were worried the Golden State Warriors were the bottom of the barrel. And now they're the absolute top. I mean, you have to give you have to give Golden State a lot of credit, but you sort of rekindled my mind there when you just started talking about the Celtics players in and around the league and how they're being overvalued. I think it's more of a case of there's just nothing really out there, and I really don't want to spend more than four seconds on this guy. One, two, three, four. Okay, we didn't even talk about him, but uh, I, once again, I think there's another backstory to it. I think there's something else really that. You, the actual discussion makes it interesting, and I believe his name is being thrown around just because it's talk show fodder. It's an easy way to get cheap segments. Like I said, no more than four seconds on him. That is Russell Westbrook. So rather of a would you or won't you with Russ, I think the actual discussion is interesting when you talk about Boston cashing in maybe with some of these players or, of course, the abundance of draft picks they have. But it sort of goes back now to the slow buildup we're cashing in the chips to compete now. Where do you sort of come down on that, Abby? Because right now, especially with the super team that's out in Golden State, I think 29 other teams in the league now are blocked from winning a championship and competing for one in the immediate future. So does that do something that kind of changes how Boston goes about and building what they got right now? I don't think it changes the strategy at all. I think Danny Ainge, throughout this entire process, has taken a very methodical reasonable approach and not wanting to do anything drastic that will affect them in the long term. So I think that their build continues, but I would agree that the Celtics and we all know are not going to be championship contenders next season, just by adding Al Horford. There definitely needs to be at least one more move, probably a few more moves before they do get into contention. I'm going to jump on you. I'm, I'm going to jump on you. Let's yeah. play a hypothetical though. Let's say Russell Westbrook could be had tonight via some trade package that the Celtics have. What is the value of really being so as aggressive to get him and you pa- pair him with Horford and God forbid you even still have a few things left over to make another move. Why put together your replication, your replica of the t- 2008 Celtics when that's just not enough to take down Golden State? Think about that. I think it's a fair question. I think as Danny said the other day, they're not just going to roll over and die. You never know what can happen oh, in a competition. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the Golden State Warriors were thought to be unbeatable until the Cavs beat them in seven games, a healthy Cavs team. And so I think that in the spirit of competition, yes, the Warriors have a super team, but I, you just can't operate that way. I think that you have to do the best you can to create the best team that is possible and available for you. And I believe that's what the Celtics are doing. Okay, I need to get really quickly to Al Horford. We can go back to him because I should have brought this up when we were discussing him, but we're running out of time. He barely even talked about his actual addition. First off, I mean, there was one pain I, I would like to – I think I made it on last week's show with Justin Poole and how good Ainge looks now with Horford because some people in Boston were very upset that the Celts were not as aggressive at the deadline with Horford. CLNS Radio was the first report with Boston Ninjas and Horford back in February, but as informed to us by our esteemed guests on the show – that aggression just wasn't there because Boston felt so good about getting him in July. Presto, here he is. But the Celtics did pick him up via free agency. Any and didn't have to give up anything for him. They didn't have to him. give up anything for him, whereas opposed yep. to last February, he was costing a high net pick and probably a lot more. Put a bit of difference in the playoff series. Of course, that's also a big thing to look at. That's barely what, what's being talked about is how you took a great player. You took the best play, uh, one of the best players on your – I don't want to say arch rival, but a team that you are competing with in the Eastern Conference and lost to in the playoffs last year. But is there any real intangible measurement that he brings? I read a quote from him on the CLNSradio.com story about how he talked about breaking the seal of a player actually choosing the Celtics and hoping that would create a domino effect in the future of other players wanting to play in the area. You've obviously, I know you put some stock into that with what you just discussed earlier, but is there anything else that he provides? Again, excluding what he is going to provide this team on the court with his defensive skills are big, but something like veteran leadership, I mean, whatever. Oh, absolutely. He brings veteran leadership. He also brings a winner's attitude. I mean, you mentioned winning that playoff series. The Hawks made it to the playoffs every not, in all of his nine seasons in the league so far. And he is. That's his reputation throughout the league is a, the consummate leader by example. He's a hardworking guy, does everything, I mean, by the book relatively. But one thing that the Celtics brass also talked about yesterday is just he's never 
satisfied. He's constantly improving his game. He's a guy who saw that the league was going more towards three-point shooting, and he has extended his range, and he's not just an okay big man shooter. He's a he's good, good even with big that man horrible shooter. shot, even with like that like hideous form, that hideous right. slow he, form. Yeah, I'm not sure what the percentages were last year, but he's a legit three-point shooter. I mean, the Celtics have been trying to turn Jared Selinger into that for the last three years, and Al Horford has done that. He has transformed his game, and so just the fact that he works so hard, he's never satisfied. He's constantly trying to evolve and get better. He's adaptable, and he can get better. I, I don't think he's reached his ceiling yet at you know almost 30 years old. So he will be a good guy in the locker room. Just speaking to him during media sessions, during the playoffs, he is a great guy, very straightforward. Answering questions is very intelligent. I think he will be a great addition in the locker room. I think when you talked about how the Hawks have made the playoffs for nine consecutive years, every single year he's been in the league, whereas opposed to the prior eight, they were out of the playoffs and well out of the playoffs. I think there's no better year to point at. I brought it up on last week's show, 2014. Hawks were 17 and 13 with him. They were at pretty much the top of the conference. He tears a pec muscle. We still have no idea how he's torn two, two chest muscles. I don't know if it's bench pressing yeah. or whatever it is. Uh, but they finished <laughs> that season 21 and 31. Kind of wrap it up on Al, though. What kind of changes do you see the Celtics in, in terms of a philosophy on either end of the court? Now they actually have a big body down low that's skilled on both ends. Well, I think I talked about that yesterday in the report that I filed for CSN is that Al just happens to be the absolute perfect fit for this team. He is so solid defensively as far as positioning goes, which is really all the Celtics ask their bigs to do. That's how Kelly Olynyk ends up with the best defensive uh, rating in the league. It's because the Celtics coaching, he's always in the right place at the right time to make the right play, even though he's not a rim protector per se. And so defensively, he is going to bring this Celtics team. They were a top 10 defensive team last season. He's absolutely going to take them up into the top five, I would say. And then offensively, it does. It just makes Brad Stevens able to open that playbook, I believe, even wider because you can you have so much better floor spacing for Isaiah Thomas. And as we've seen, the Celtics get tons of open looks from three it's just a matter of for this team knocking it down that's why we keep saying they need shooters they need shooters brad stevens gets these guys open now they just have to knock down shots offensively because defensively they're going to create transition they're going to create offense through transition and turnovers and then in the half court if you get brad stevens drawing up plays and guys can actually start knocking down shots i think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch next season I wanted to finish it on that, but for some reason, I'm, you made me go back to this of all we discussed at the beginning of this interview, and I'm going to get you out of here right now, but to finish this up real quick, because this is the theme of the show, even though I told myself I'm going to stray from it, but we were talking last weekend, last Saturday evening, so I'll ask you a little personal story. Did you think Durant was actually going to happen, especially after Saturday? How'd you feel going there into was, decision day? There was... Um... A few minutes after the news came down that Horford chose the Celtics, and then we all knew, right? And we all knew that Horford was a guy that Durant wanted to play with. And then there was also that talk that maybe the Celtics were still in the meeting with Durant when Horford made his decision. And I think in that moment, I was like, I thought to myself, maybe, maybe Durant and Horford want to get together. They want to decide who they want to play with, so they're gonna, you know, tell Danny what they want done and. It's all going to happen. It's all, it's all happening. Um, I think I felt that way for about 15, 20 minutes, and then more and more news started to leak out on Twitter that, you know, they were not still in the meeting with Durant, and Durant still had meetings to take and was leaning towards Golden State and things like that. So, I mean, it might have been more than 15 minutes, but I definitely was excited and had myself convinced that we were going to get Kevin Durant. Oh, we. I love that. I love that. We. <laughs> Abby Chin. Throw it out there. Abby Chin, Comcast Sportsnet, www.csnne.com. You can follow Abby on Twitter at TV Abby. Abby, hope you enjoyed your maiden voyage here on CLNS Radio. No question, Larry. Thank you so much. Let's pause for a few brief seconds for station identification. You're listening to CLNS Radio, home to the original Celtics podcast, Celtics Stuff Live. 
Thanks, Justin, and thank you, Abby, for allowing me to get away. I can't believe how much there was to talk about Durant there. Even I got that in there, then how much I really couldn't even get to in this show, even earlier in the show. There were so many ifs, and the biggest if, of course, being the spike in the salary cap with the new TV money. The Boston Celtics, they have done a phenomenal job over the last three summers, post-Garnett, managing everything, the trade assets, and, of course, their salary structure, and it just sucks well, it just sucks that Kevin Durant did what he did. But it really stinks that every team in the league got a bailout, and that washed away pretty much the great job the organization did with their salary structure when they were able to maintain all the, the two max salary slots throughout these last few summers. But done lamenting, again, great chat with Abby. Positive moving forward. I mean, right, look at it as look at it as a way to measure where the organization is truly at where one of the five best free agents in NBA history to hit the market and legitimately test the waters as Mr. Durant did, had the Celtics as a distant third, but a finalist, and in actuality was in consideration with a 73-win team and the organization he's been with, Mr. Durant, since he was drafted. So I guess there's that, right? Glass half full. Fortunate that the Celtics are here or where they are. Fortunate we're here. Fortunate that we're able to do this show every week, which uh, actually next week may be a little different here next week. A little heads up on that. Maybe. Keep it in mind. Keep Stay tuned to uh, the Facebook page and our Twitter at Celtics underscore beat. But in the coming weeks, we've got a big, big, big announcement on these airwaves. So, of course, it goes without saying to stay tuned. Uh, got a little announcement as of now. Someone is going to be very happy, as you'll find out in the next few seconds. Uh, for those of you who have subscribed rated and reviewed this podcast on iTunes. Thank you so much for doing so. Again, we greatly appreciate those who do do it. It helps us give you what you want. Getting that feedback makes this show that much better, and it just goes such a long way. It's why we hold these contests to do what we do as a way to, of course, give back to our audience. And, of course, getting like that, something that done that takes 20 seconds on your end, it is very, very important for us. If we get those ratings and reviews, of course, subscribe on iTunes. Even if you haven't done so, again, just please, please subscribe, rate, and review Celtics Beat on iTunes. It just takes a few seconds of your time and a big help to this show, please. But we do have a giveaway, as promised, from last week's show. We've been doing it over the last few weeks. We would have the winner. And here we go. Drum roll. Bada boom. Brady is God. How, how about that? Brady is God. Thank you for your submission, and congratulations, you have won four weeks of Blue Apron deliveries, courtesy of this show. So again, thank you for participating, and everyone who participated, and guess what? We are going to be holding another contest. This is in it with Blue Apron. This time, it is going to actually be three weeks, but still a pretty worth your time, right? Three weeks of Blue Apron deliveries, nearly $650 worth of food. How do you enter? Very simple, like Celtics Beat on Facebook, our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Celtics Beat, facebook.com slash Celtics Beat, that's it. Like the page, you're in, boom. So give us a like, I would say that's worth your time. No, if you really though, really could try doing that, but if you really want to support this show and this operation and eat very affordable and fun to make delicious meals, please... I would be ever so grateful, I'm grateful for everything that you do, but I would be very happy if you used our coupon code on your first Blue Apron delivery. Heck, even if you already enjoy Blue Apron, it's a huge benefit to this operation if you go to blueapron.com slash Celticsbeat. Blueapron.com slash Celticsbeat. Again, two free meals, free shipping, can't go wrong. It's like buying war bonds to keep us going, and the return is quite nice. So thanks to all of those who listen, and major, major, major thanks to those who go ahead and do that, it'll be well worth it. But it's actually time to sign this baby off. few reminders before we go. Download the CLNS Radio mobile app. Get the bonus audio of this podcast, the Al Horford Press Conference. Again, only available if you listen to this episode of Celtics Beat number 165 through the CLNS Radio mobile app. For those of you who missed it Friday morning on the CLNS Radio YouTube channel, again, bonus audio on this episode. Also tomorrow AM Celtic Stuff Live there back. Keep the Celtics conversation going throughout the summer, throughout the offseason. Boston's not done making moves. There's plenty more to talk about and I can only go for so long. So it's a pleasure to tag those guys in. 
I get a little breather here coming up, so I'm going to step through the ropes. Music for this show was provided by Will Rock, Chuck Dietz, and Steph Legrateau. Be sure to follow us on social media, especially now. Our Twitter handle is Celtics underscore beat. And you can like Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio on Facebook to keep up with the show at Facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. Also, Google Plus, Celtics Beat on CLNS. Today's show was brought to you by Blue Apron Casper American Farmers Network. Love to thank our guests, Real GMs, Danny LaRue and Abby Chan of Comcast Sports Net New England. And of course, our loyal audience for tuning in yet another week. Thank you so much. Anything you can do to help the show. We appreciate that even more. For staff writer Eddie Santiago, the founder of the network, Nick Gelso, and myself, executive producer and host, I'm Larry H. Russell. See you next Sunday for another edition of Celtics Beat, powered by CLNS Radio.